Oh, it looks like we have a little voicemail from Max Mayer, friend of the show. You have one new message. Main menu. To listen to your messages, press one. So re- First, new message. Hey, uh, Dune Boys, this is Max. Uh, just checking in to tell you guys uh, uh, I've been taking politeness classes. And uh, I've really been uh, cutting back on my fucking swearing. Welcome to Dune Boys. We now begin our reading on Chapter 1, The Gunslinger. The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. The desert was the apotheosis of all deserts, huge, standing to the sky for what looked like eternity in all directions. It was white and blinding and waterless, without feature save for the faint, cloudy haze of the mountains, which stressed themselves on the horizon, and the devil grass, which brought sweet dreams, nightmares, death. An occasional tombstone sign pointed the way. For once, the drifted track that cut its way through the thick crust of alkali had been a highway. Coaches and buckas had followed it. The world had moved on since then. The world had emptied. Hey, Jeffy. I'm, uh, I'm going to have to get you to cease and desist on that one. First of all, copyright doesn't let you just read the book as a podcast. Second of all, that's not a good podcast. Third, that's the gunslinger. I guess we can talk about Dune. Hey everybody, welcome to Doom Boys. Uh, it's me, your your boy Dicky, and uh, Jeffy's here. What's going on, Jeffy? Ah, uh, not too much. Glad to be with you, gentlemen. Excellent, excellent. And we also have uh, our guest uh, JP Novak is with us as well to talk about uh, talk about Dune. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And it's uh, when I'm on the show, it's Johnny. Johnny, that's right. I just wanted to give you your full name introduction because uh, you know, gotta be gotta be respectful of our guests. You have to be gotta honest. respect your lawyer, dude. Gotta respect your lawyer. And you gotta respect your lawyer. That's for damn sure. Like that's gotta remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's great to have you here, and we're uh, we're gonna. I think we're about to dive right into uh, uh, to the uh, I guess basically the what the first chapter of, of, of the book. Basically, are we gonna chapter it up, or are we just gonna kind of stream along? I think. Kind of stream along, I think. I th- we're gonna go along to the. It's basically the first fourth of the book. First quarter. First quarter. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We got our. Oh yeah. Cheers. Here. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've got some. Uh, what's some famous grouse? It's kind of spicy. Ooh. It's a bit spicy. Yeah. 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 
And uh, Jeffy, what do you got? You got the rain. You got the rain going on tonight, don't no, you? No, I have an I have an empty can, but I have oh shit, um, that's not the right. Finest. I have the finest Wisconsin <laughs> tap water. Ooh, that sounds tempting. That does sound tempting. Oh god, I hope you're not close to a 3M plant. Don't oh, get me boy. started. Yeah. Oh no, Jeffy, are you downstream, man? That's not good. I am. I am um, five minutes away from Lake Michigan. I just okay. get a bucket and bring it home with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that sounds safe. That sounds safe. Get it right from the source. No middlemen. Got to cut out the middlemen. We all know how bad middlemen are. Frank Herbert's Dune is a book about a young, handsome boy who go- <laughs> Sorry. Oh, boy. <laughs> young, handsome boy. Wow. Yeah. I'll, I'll, let you know, I'll let you know something about this. There's a lot of editing. <laughs> Just like a good book. Just like a good yeah. book. Oh, and, and there's a lot of references to Paul being handsome and... Uh, young whippersnapper. How do you? Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. I'm yes. I'm getting all that already. Yeah. Frank Herbert's Dune is a book about a young handsome boy who goes to a planet covered in sand. He finds worms, love, and revenge. And we find ourselves on Caladan, a handsome young boy. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> all right, take two. After the creaking. We find ourselves on Caladan. A handsome young boy is sleeping or pretending to sleep. His name is Paul Atreides. He's a hero of the story. He's being watched over by his mother, Jessica, and the Reverend Mother Gaius Mohim, a Bene Gesserit. Dickie, you're the expert here. Can you tell us a little bit about the Bene Gesserit? Oh, yes, yes. I am I am quite experienced with uh, that subject. Um... They are a sort of like sisterhood of like witches, sort of. Uh, they control. I'm not really sure how they're like organized, though, right? Like, there's the head, um, there's the head mother, and then I don't really know too much more about <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm blanking out. Well, they, it's 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 like the right out of the gate. They're like. They're getting yeah. into, like, we don't trust technology, but we also have future witches, and we totally trust them. Yeah, space, just space witches. Yeah, space space witches, I guess, is the best way to describe them, yeah. And, um, I mean, like, can they control their sex, like, of their, of their children? Yeah, like, they... That, that was another thing that came up... Uh, yeah, that part's a little weird. You know, it gets a little strange, right? Like, or is it like a Jesus sort of... Uh, Sort of uh, analogy, I guess. Sort of like it's like, oh, he wasn't supposed to be born, but he was born, right? Like cause um, they're only supposed to have daughters, so they can control it. They can control it. Yeah, with their they minds. can. They can. They have like full, like full awareness and yes, like yes. power over their own bodies, which is hmm. yeah, why they can change the sexes. They have like Jedi powers too. Whoa! Uh, this is this is some Marianne Williamson stuff. This is like oh, they're using crystals, crystals. yeah, crystals and <laughs> yeah. goodwill. Hey, do me a favor Ooh. and explain what that means because I don't know what that means. Ah, uh, Marianne Williamson is one of our uh, nominees, or she's running for president. Okay. Uh, she believes in the power of crystals and astrology <laughs> and goodwill and dunking on New Zealand. She's a She's, uh, she's she's like a, a future hippie. Yeah, she she talks really strangely too. It's like <laughs> it's like she's on a TV show or something. It's it's uh it's I, odd. Yeah, 
I, I, I mean, honestly, she has my vote now because she's basically a, a precursor to the Benny Jesuits. Yes. Yeah. No. She. She is definitely. She would definitely be part of the Benny Jesuits for sure. Marianne would be right in there, <laughs> uh, preaching preaching about the the magics of the universe and how love will bring us all together. Where is she from? Um, because I've honestly never even heard her name. Oh, uh, she's probably from I like would say California. I don't know. Oh, that, that, yeah. One of the hippie places. Yeah, yeah, or Vermont or something like that, maybe. I don't know. But she's like tight with Oprah and stuff. Like, yeah. That's how she got all, like, well, kind of like rose to fame, but. But she had enough votes to make the uh, debate, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Crazy. Wild world. Wild yeah. world. So, okay, so. So Paul's faking being asleep. Yes. And his mom is basically like handed him yeah. over. Yeah, it's um I don't know how much of a choice she had. It, I think the yeah. Benny Gesserit are the second most powerful like entity in the entire universe. After the the emperor, I'm Space guessing. Spacing Guild is number 1 because without oh. them they couldn't travel around. Spacing Guild is an organization Basically, the controls. Yeah, they're. Or no, that's the Chome organization. Yeah, they're. Ab- mixed up they're again. above the emperor because right, they right. control everything because they can't travel without him. They can't have yes. thinking machines because um, the butler and Jihad. <laughs> they're bad. Yes, yes, they're bad. Yeah. They were wiped out. And the Benny Gesserit have basically set up a breeding program for 10,000 years. And they find the right people and put them together and do all these things. There's something coming on later that I, I will save till then, but... Yeah, they, like, manipulate the future, yeah. basically. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty wild. They... Spoilers. Yeah. Massive spoilers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they make their what the future they want happen, basically. Sure, yeah. Oh, that's badass. And they, con- oh. and they control it through sex, too, right? Like, because you think about it. It's a little bit it's kind of pervy. <laughs> so they're going around dictating who bangs who. Yeah. And so, but they don't, they didn't want Jessica to have a male. Right. So does that mean yeah. they didn't want Paul to exist? Is he like yeah. fucking kind with the timeline? That's kind of the way that they're putting it. Yeah. It's like, he's, he's messing with the, with the organ, with the way oh. things have been set up. Right. Like it's okay. like, we're supposed to have a daughter. Everything is supposed to continue on. But if you have a male heir, then. Maybe the Benny Gesserit saw bad things in the future. Like, uh, no, no spoilers, but like, shit gets crazy. I think they wanted a girl to make a marriage or arrange something with somebody. That sounded yeah. like they wanted yeah. they wanted a girl to marry to the Harkonians so that there was no. They, I think they saw that there would be like a war with the the Harkonians if they couldn't bring peace through I gotta, marriage. I gotta so, correct you. Just yeah. say Harkonnens. Oh, gee. <laughs> you got you got Jeffy. You Jeffy got pronunciation no, on you. Only because Sorry. we, we I, I slipped into it too, because the oh, movie shit. says Harkonnens. Oh shit! Or yeah. Harkonnens, yeah. and I was slipping into it too. And I listened back. I was like, oh shit. I yeah, it's it's the audio book. I've just been going with that, but I'll go with Hark Harkonnens. Yeah, Is that what we're saying? Oh, the audio book. The audio book pronounces it uh, the other way. Interesting. It's also they also pronounce it um, Atreides. Atreides. Hmm. Not oh, I Atreides. Wonder if that's like hmm. the proper Greekish term. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, okay. So Jessica. This podcast sorry. is all about learning. So. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 
I should have selected like educational as like what uh, subject to put it in. <laughs> so Jessica was supposed to have a girl, and she said, "Uh uh-uh. uh," and then yeah. she did, or she had a boy, and the Reverend Mother was like, "Uh uh-uh, uh, you didn't," but she did. Yep. But <laughs> she, she did. did. Yeah. So she, they're they're basically she's basically yelling at Jessica, saying like, "Why'd you have a girl?" And it was just the Duke wanted a boy, so I did it. I'm sorry. But he's still useful. I think because yeah. he was a boy, they're like their plans got to skip ahead a couple generations. Spot that's very possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Again, with this with the future manipulation, you just can't really tell. But we don't know this yet. That's the thing, right? Like we're we're still getting introduced to the story. The next day, Paul is going to get his Gamjabar, and that's the test. And if anyone wants yes. to jump in and describe this, feel free. The Benny Jesuit test. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, this is the spaghetti box, right? Oh, this, this is the spaghetti, spaghetti box. box. <laughs> I invented that joke. <laughs> copyright, copyright. I'm so proud of you. Got a copyright. TM, 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 TM. Yeah. So it's basically a test. Uh, the Benny Jesuit mother, right? She um, is going to give uh, Paul, young, luscious Paul, a uh, <laughs> a test. To see how Please let strong us always is. call him that. Oh boy. <laughs> this is starting off well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, he gets, uh, he, he basically, it's a test. Um, so she offers him this box. She opens the side of the box, says, put your hand in the box. He's like, oh, okay, this is weird. And, uh, and then he puts his hand in the box and experiences some of the worst pains ever felt in his life. Burning and singeing and like horrible um, but she's like, if you take your hand out of the box, I'll, I'll kill you. And he's just like, he doesn't know what to do, right? So he's freaking out. And then uh, he he lasts the amount of time that she wants him to do. And, like, it's he lasted longer than anybody else, right? So Nice. He, uh, he won. And then the pain stops and he pulls his hand out of the box. It's a pretty, it's a pretty great scene. Like, the description of, the, of his pain and... Um, and the reaction he had to it, the confusion in his mind, was really, really well communicated. Oh, I loved, I loved Jessica's reaction too, because she sure. was horrified. Yeah, yeah, she was not pleased with um, that being done to her son. That's the thing that they they do it to everybody, and it's like a, it's a, it's a test to make sure that you're human. Some kind of human. And the test. only reason he survived. Yeah. The only reason he survived is because his mother trained him, even though he was a boy, he as a Benny Gesserit. So right, he, which is also not supposed to be done. She's, she's yeah, broken. I was wondering she's, that. She's so a is, bit of a rule is breaker. The, is he the only male one? Oh, she's awesome. She's no, badass. For sure, yeah. Busting so, all the rules, breaking up the matriarchy. <laughs> yeah. So is he the only male one then? I think so. Yeah, yeah, that okay. make that would make sense, yeah. I think the rest of the males are just there to breed and get their genes and move on. That's interesting, though, because it's like, mm, oh, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> no, I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, what if other uh, Benny Gesserits had had um, boys and then they would just like kill their boy if he couldn't pass the test? Like, if he didn't get Benny Gesserit training, there'd be like a bunch of like dead Pauls out there. It's like an abor- it's like an abortion sort of thing, right? Like, if you think about it a little bit, it's because you're controlling the sex, right? Like you're like, okay, yeah, they're they're alive and they're a person, but I'm gonna 
going to kill them. That's that's it's kind of fucked yeah, up. Yeah, there was a, a big point of that where it was to test if you were a human or an animal. Yeah, and what if you're and and like I said, if you fail the test, she's going to kill you, and it's like, huh. So over the thousands of years they've done this, like how many people have died? And... Yeah, it seems like there must yeah, be a lot. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think it's like the if, survival. If that, of the and fittest. that's if. Yeah, that's like if other Benny Gesserit women had had boys, and they had not gotten Benny Gesserit training, then. So yeah. Besides the the cooked spaghetti and the peeled grapes, was there anything else in that box, or was it just a mental trick? It was just a mental trick, yeah. Because yeah. they have this, um, the Benny Gesserit have the voice that can control, basically control people. So they're they're like psychic, they're psychically powerful. Yeah, that's that's what I thought because they um, they just describe it as like a box that's black inside. He puts his hand in, mm. and then as he's doing it, and you, it's like he's describing that his um, he can feel the skin burning off of his hands. And the Reverend Mother is almost testing him. Like she, I think she even admits that like she went a little bit too far on it. So when she said that, I figured that she was doing it with her mind. Okay. So this gets into something that I'm, I, I, you know, I'm only a quarter of the way through the book, but I swear to God, I, I, Herbert is in love with Luscious Paul Atreides. He is. Oh this, yeah. This character is just flawless he's perfect in every way he's the strongest the smartest the most clever and this is one of those scenes and to be honest especially given how old this book is i'm like yeah that's badass dude we don't need an anti-hero yeah. we need a hero hero yeah a guy that can withstand the worst mental pain possible heavy heavy we might have talked about this but it's like he's the nerd hero He's the skinny 15-year-old boy who gets to yeah. save the universe. So yeah. it's pretty much the the target audience of who would have read this book. Oh, yeah. He's the Ur-Luke Skywalker. Yep. Proto-Luke yep. yeah. Skywalker. Lots of, uh, lots of connections there. Well, it's, 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 it's also it's kind of like, you know, it's the hero's journey type thing, right? Like, um, it's a classic, uh, not no, trope. No, no, it but, is. Uh, it's, it's the classic. Yeah. I mean, literally... In the most literal sense, it's yeah. a classic hero. It's Odysseus. It's Aeneas. Like this is yeah. this is the actual hero's yeah. journey. The hero is fully formed. The only thing that's going to get in his way is hubris. Mm, yes, classic <laughs> hubris. This is this is where I say Joseph Campbell and not say anything else because I don't know enough about him. Um, so the Reverend Mother. He passes the test, and she kind of gives him a little history lesson about the butler and jihad, yes. which is either two ways. One, I will I will say one version. Dickie, you can say the other, but just like pure on Matrix-type stuff where robots take over, and they got to stop them, or maybe even Terminators. And the other was just, you said, like, just a reliance on technology made everybody lazy? Yeah, yeah. I have a quote here from the book. I'll read... Uh... I'll read the quote from the book. Might as well get it directly from the source. Oh, by the way, um, uh, Johnny Boy there. Yeah. Uh, if he does a voice, I might have to mute myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Oh, should I yeah, do a voice? Yeah, because I'm gonna probably. Not? I'm just okay. gonna shut my mouth. But I, I, uh, I can't remember who said this line, but I, I think it was. Uh, I think it would have been Jessica because they were talking about the who was talking about the Butlerian 
jihad uh, again? Probably the Reverend Mund- Mother. Oh, okay, so it was, it, it was it was the it was the Reverend Mother. Then yeah, I'll definitely have to do it this. <laughs> and muting myself. Once men turned their thinking over to machines in the hope that this would set them free, but that only permitted other men with machines to enslave them. Yeah, that was good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, nice. I made it three seconds. <laughs> I, I am mean. <laughs> like, tickled with anticipation. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think, um, I think that uh, quote uh, definitely, um, it's got a lot to say, right? Because it's, it's really fascinating how it kind of reflects on our current age, too, with computers and with social media and our, our reliance on thinking machines, basically, to do our thinking for us and how that's changing the world. Some people say it's for the better. Some people say it's for the worst. But uh, it is uh, interesting how that reflects on, on, on today. So in the Dune universe, they, they don't have computers, they have living yes, computers no called computers. Mentats, which are people that are basically trained to be living computers. And they're almost like kind of like psychic vampire type characters. They're like, um, they use psychic powers as well, similar to the, kind of similar to the Bene Gesserit, but like more in a they, spying sort of way or, or just like and knowing they refer to them, more things. They refer to them as contacts. not human. They refer to them as if they're like, yeah. as if the human body is the host to whatever it is that they are. I found that absolutely fascinating. Yeah, that is interesting because uh, it's just like there's a, a th- so there's like an entity inside that person that's that's controlling yeah, almost, them or interpreting stuff for ask, them. I was going to ask you yeah. guys about that because it almost sounded like it was a host body for like a parasite or something. But yeah. Yeah, I, I think kinda, it's, yeah. it's just like a severe training that takes mm-hmm. the humanity away and makes them different. Now, is, is Luscious Paul also being trained to be one of these? Yeah, he's being trained to be a mentant also. My lord. Except he doesn't like it. He He keeps bringing up a lot of the point of the book is that Paul keeps seeing what his future is going to be and does not like it. Yes, he is uh, having dreams, um, uh, awful, awful dreams about uh, a sandy planet and uh, strange people with blue eyes. Okay, so so just so we're clear, so Frank Herbert rolled up this D&D character and he's like, I'm going to make him both a psychic and also a calculator. And also I'm going to just uh, max level on both of those just for my starting character. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Cut yeah, from stones, this guy. He's... Pretty much going to be the ultimate yeah. human being, but he—I don't think Paul likes what that's going to lead to. Well, so far, I mean, so far everything oh. seems pretty great. Yeah. I mean, where we are in the story, his mom loves him. He's—he got a, a present from some old lady, and he stuck his hand inside, and that was cool. What's the scariest thing you've ever put your hand in? <laughs> oh oh boy, that's that's a that's a that's a tough question. It goes like clearing out some, I was working with some plumber for a while and we had to get dirty one day and the one pipe was, was bad and so narrow. And, and you had the, yeah, that, you that had was, the tiniest of hands. <laughs> uh, my hands were definitely smaller than, than the guy I was working with. He had big fucking plumber's mitts, man. Like, woof. Uh, yeah, but, uh, that was probably the scariest cause it was wet and I didn't know what was down there. That sounds horrible. So, no. That wasn't fun. 
I didn't do it again. I was like, I think I'm I'm not cut out for this work. <laughs> I was hoping for that um that but, catfishing thing where you stick your hand in a hole. And... Noodling. No. Noodling. No. Hell no. Never yeah. done that. I saw that once and I was just like, nope. Catfish. What do they like? Suck on your hand or something? They or... just bite onto it, but they don't really have teeth. Yeah, you try to make your finger look like a worm or something, and then they like you get your whole arm down there. It's it's not little catfish. It's like the fifty pounds. Oh God. Oh man. That sounds terrifying. Why would anybody want to do that? Because <laughs> it's cool. It's cool, and I can tell people about it. I think when you live in that area, the only thing yeah. you have to do is go around on a fan boat and um, yeah. catch yeah. giant catfish. Hey, guys, just real quick, yeah. i got to give a shout-out to my fiance Claire, who came in and gave a cease and desist on needing another drink. Shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait, she, she's the prequels hater. She doesn't like the prequels. She, she's, i got to open her mind on that some more. But, okay, that's cool. You're, brought, you're not giving up. She brought that's me good. another drink, so bless her heart. Oh, yes, thank mm-hmm. you, thank you. <laughs> I'm probably going to need another one myself soon. Where's my fiancé? To, to oh, no, never mind. <laughs> Just wait, man. Oh, Chicks fun. love dude. Um, it's true. So the Reverend Very Mother um, basically explains what Paul could be, which is a Quizette's Hatterack. And I'm going to try to explain this the best I can. But the Bene Gesserit, one of their powers is they can see, I don't know how far back it goes, but with some kind of genetic memory, they have every single life of every female that came before them like related to them and i think they wow. call it other memory uh, other memory wow. so they can look back through history and they know all these things and part of their like prediction of the future i don't think they're psychic psychic like they have jedi powers and all that but they basically do math saying we've seen this happen over and over and over again so we kind of know what will happen okay so so assassin's mm. creed just completely ripped off dude this is Assassin's Creed is probably my favorite series, and I was actually going to bring that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't. Do, no. no, do not apologize. I love, I love that series, no, it, but that it, is some. It, yeah. Came up organically. So they just yeah. Got into the machine, the anim, the animus. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the yep, animus. They jump into the animus, and then they're like, "I wonder what people were doing on Dune." Uh, yeah, there's even a point in one of the Assassin's Creed games where you have two assassins and they they make sweet love on top of a tower. And Whoa, the, the memory ends there because it that's the end of um, the genetic line for him. I'm trying to say oh, that shit. right, but I'm not I'm not saying it right. Because he passed on his genetic material. Yeah, he passed on the... Uh. Yep, and that was it. So it's like on to the next guy. And then they jumped... 500 feet into a convenient pile of hay. <laughs> God, I love that series. That's, oh, oh, I, yes, that's, I, that's, uh, that's the Native American one. That's three, isn't it? For the hay? No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> we're, we're the, we're, it's like his father and his mother, like the one guy's British and the other, the, the mother's like Native American and then they roll in the hay. Yeah. And then it cuts, that's like the end of that storyline and then it cuts to the sun. Yes, that's exactly it. I played some Assassin's Creed, my dude. Hey, all right. So the, I tried. Aww. It was too hard. I gave up. Um, so the Quizette's Hatterack <laughs> is, it has to be a male because it's sexist. Um, but what the Quizette's Hatterack can yes. do is see both the male and female sides. 
which gives them full knowledge of everything that's ever happened, and they can predict everything. They can predict everything people are going to do based off of thousands and thousands and thousands of years of just experiencing life. So it's not necessarily a psychic thing, but more of like a weird math. Yeah, yeah. that's like a statistics sort of, uh, like statisticians. Not a word, probably. And I think they say that the um, the reason they can't do it, it's because it's too terrifying. Like, it's it's there, but they can't, yeah. So if they try, they'll just go insane. Oh, overwhelms them yeah. like mentally so the, yeah. the yeah. benny jesuit basically need a male to oh, become the quizette's hatterack and hopefully they can control him and if there's anything on like real tall shelves they can <laughs> have a guy wow. to get stuff from them. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> perfect. perfect okay now we go to um <laughs> dickie's favorite part uh we meet we meet the harkonnens the the ah the evil harkonnens Come on, evil? I, I, I have yet to see anything about them that they would say is evil. Okay, well, not yet, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they are... Just kidding, they are some mustache-twirling a-holes. Well, like, right off the bat, it's right pretty... Away. It's pretty pretty apparent, but not good. Well, you got... You got you got the Duke. Oh, he's a Baron. A fatty, fat, fat. Oh, I'm sorry, the Baron, the Baron. And they don't reveal how grotesquely fat he is toward, until the end of the, the scene. But oh, yes. But then you've got his... You've got his right-hand man who is just a sociopath. Oh, Peter, he's the best, man. He is, like, so slimy and, oh, God. Yeah. He has, his nephew is yes. Fade. Yes. Fade, uh, Fade Ralph. What a name. Who is, I just, my notes just say weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Peter, yes. who is the Harkonnen Mentat. Who is just hooked on that sweet, sweet spice? Oh yeah, he's doing that stuff every hour on the hour. He's got the blue eyes, right? He yes, he has the the blue eyes, which is a very important part of the story mm -hmm. um, with yep. the Harkonnens. The Mentats use spice to basically open their minds. Spice is the drug that comes from Arrakis, which everyone should know about at this point. But it opens your mind. It extends your age. Makes you a little bit superhuman, but the Mentants need that, and they, they get addicted to spice, and when you're addicted to spice, it changes your eyes to blue. They're also, like, um, future-predicting guys. They're uh, sort of like, what is it, soothsayers? Is that the right Yeah, uh... I think soothsayers, and yeah. pretty much anyone in charge of anything has could, one. Yeah, everybody's got these people that can, like, predict the future yeah, there's... and tell what's going to happen. And they're, like, advisors, and, and Peter is an advisor to the... To the, uh, yeah, and he's Baron. he's pretty evil too. So I want to know if like when they, when you uh, there's different schools. There's the Benny oh, yeah. Jesuit is one. The Mentat school. I'm not sure what the name yes. is. And then there's a uh, the Sook doctors. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. So there's like a doctor school, and I want to know if yeah, yeah. you pick one out. Do you have one sent yeah. to you? Like Hogwarts style. Like. <laughs> Yeah, like the sorting <laughs> hat. So, so did the Baron? Yeah, did the Baron like pick the creepiest guy? And he's like, "You'll fit in fine here." Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Send me your, send me your greasiest, most backstabbiness, like horrible guy." And uh, this guy takes the cake because he's um, 
uh, yeah, he's really greasy. And he's, like, sniping at the Baron, too, right? Like, taking shots at him, too. And, like... Yeah, he's really got no respect. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're buddies. Yeah, yeah, because the Baron threatens to kill him a couple times. Yes, he he's does. Like, I wonder what your head... Wonder what, wonder what your head would look like on a pike. No, they're not. Yeah, it's, like, very kind of, like, adversarial at points, right? But... Yeah, you are like you are too important for me to kill, and yeah. that's the only reason why I'm letting yeah. you live. Yeah. But the but Peter doesn't even really he doesn't sweat it. He's just like yeah, Asher, yeah, whatever. You talk, you talk. But uh, yeah, that's why I like Peter. He's got that chip on his shoulder, and he also it's revealed that he's uh, got like quote unquote dibs on on Lady Jessica once they yeah, uh, enact their plan. This, yes, this plan that thus far has been talked about at length, and yet none of it has unrolled yet. Yes, yes. So... Yeah, there's actually... I, I tried a hundred times to figure out how to explain their plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm giving either of you guys a shot. But it's almost like a James Bond moment where... Oh yeah, very much so. He's like... Uh, Peter, explain our explain our plan to the audience here to take on the Atreides and. Okay, let me let me see if I if I understood it correctly. Oh please, okay. thank yeah, you. Yeah, let's check it out. Uh, uh. Okay, so they exchanged the planets. The the Harkonnens had Arrakis, and I guess they're taking Caladan. I don't know if they get, but, they, but they're leading. They're giving. So. They're giving Arrakis to the Atreides. Yeah, and the Atreides are going to move in there, and this is some. This is at the Emperor's behest, but the Harkonnens are going to somehow manipulate so that they have a percentage share that they're not supposed to have of the spice production, and they're going to use that to overthrow the Atreides and make them look weak and basically get them out of power. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. They claim to have a spy uh, or, sorry, they don't claim to have a spy. They have a spy in the uh, House Atreides and um, yeah, he's uh, they're, they're, they've got this whole plan in motion to uh, basically get their planet back because they the Emperor took it away from them and gave it to the, the goody two-shoes, the House Leto. Yes. So. Yeah, they... They, um, the Atreides are kind of looked at in this universe as the good people. Yeah. And they're very popular. There's the Landstrad, which is like a collection of all the houses. Yes. And, uh, Chom is like the business side of it, where everybody gives a percentage of how much they make. And I can't, I don't understand if it's a business, a bank, or... It's some what? kind of cor- it's like a, almost like a corporation or something like that. Yeah, the Chome, the Chome is uh, wasn't that Dave guy an employee of the Chome? I think so. Yeah, I think um, so. I think so. But the Harkonnens don't just want to destroy the Atreides; they want to like ruin them, ruin their reputation. Yes, ruin everything. And there's even a feud that goes back thousands of years, where there's a battle and the Atreides basically kicked the Harkonnens out of the Landstrad because of uh, cowardice. Uh-huh. There's like a one-line mention. So it's this family feud that goes back thousands and thousands of years. we got a little Hatfield and McCoy yeah, action going like on a, here. 
Yeah. Some, some Western sort of uh, and, themes, and, right? And, like, and, yeah. and that, that plays in on the uh, House of Trades stuff, too, because they talk about the Harkonnens sure. in a very, very vile way. Like, And I'm not saying that they're wrong, yeah. but they're definitely like, oh, God, I just took the biggest Harkonnen. Oh, it smelled so bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not big fans of one another, yeah. that is for sure. So the, um, the Baron sets up this plan where they're going to try to assassinate Paul. And if it works, it works. But if it doesn't, they're still going to make everyone suspicious of what's going on. Kill but the boy. Kill the yeah, boy. And there's a side plan also where they're going to set up, kind of like bringing down confidence inside of the Atreides house while they're in Arrakis by making it seem like someone very important is going to right. kill the Duke. And they want to make it seem like it's the Lady Jessica, so they're going to try to set up that too. Killed so if Paul if lover, Paul is killed, yeah. then Paul is killed. And yeah. if not, it's the whole point is just to destroy mentally and eventually just straight out kill the Duke and then get Arrakis back to the Harkonnens. I think the Emperor kind of wants them gone too. The Harkonnens or the Atreides? The Emperor... The the emperor wants the Atreides gone too because they're too popular with everybody. Oh, you got that luscious son. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to fight that? <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's jealous. I think the emperor just has a daughter. Yeah. So this was kind of said already, but um, oh, you know what? I'll I'll erase this. Um, they're not using Jessica, who they're actually using to kill the Baron, is Yui who is the Atreides yes. doctor. So the Sook doctors are, they're trained from a school and they are also conditioned like mentally where they are so loyal to the family. They could never poison them. They could never hurt anybody. They could never be paid off. Mm-hmm. But the Harkonnens have Yui's wife. So they I are. Thought they'd, I thought they'd killed her. They had her hostage. I oh, think, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I think they. I don't know if they killed her. They're they're holding her hostage, but it's basically blackmail, saying if you don't kill the duke, we're going to kill her. I didn't realize uh, that had been revealed. I, I was confused. But they keep talking about Yui doing something, but man, that guy is just biding his time. Yeah, and if he if he somehow breaks his conditioning, he's gonna go crazy and kill himself or. Oh wow! Do something. Okay. So, and Wild. the this was mentioned, but the Baron is then revealed to be floating. Oh yeah! And That's, he's this giant. Yes, they, man. they wait until the very end of the scene to be like, and also he's a big fatty fat, and he floats. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. loves Little Caesar's <laughs> pizza and Mountain Dew. <laughs> And they they even he he wrote this scene like he's a uh, I think Dicky called him like a. He almost writes like oh, a Oh, yeah, reporter. in the way that, well, because of his journalism experience, he, uh, the way that he writes a lot of the time is very just um, yeah, but this and dry a little bit. Inverted pyramid, broad to specific. Yeah, sure, the, yeah. The, scene, the scene is set up like a movie where it yeah. even describes, like, them hiding in the shadows and then he's revealed to just be this giant floating mass of a man in a, like, a flying suit. Yeah, he's floating around the room. He's all, like... He's all gross looking and 
got sores and stuff. Yeah, on so him. like if Peter ever actually gets mad, he can just poke him and he'll probably like float away. <laughs> nice. Did you guys? Did you guys ever see Brazil? Oh yes, I love Brazil. So this it, it, already uh, the Baron reminds me of the the like the mother and her friend from Brazil who are just constantly getting like facelifts and just like absolutely disfiguring themselves because they're rich sure, and they can yeah. afford to do that. Yeah, yeah. with the stretchy face. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And yes. he's all and that is yeah, exactly floating what around and dripping stuff everywhere. It's like so gross. Oh. Yep. All right, this is disgusting. Let's go back to uh, yes. the Reverend Mother, or no, uh, Jessica, mm-hmm. uh, and the Reverend Mother and Paul. And Jessica tells Paul that he has to tell her about these dreams he's been having. And Paul tells her that he's been dreaming of a girl in a cave with blue eyes. With blue eyes, there's water, and I think it's scary. I think he says something like, "It's not a." I don't know if it's a pleasant memory, but he knows this is going to happen, and I think he's a little bit scared. Well, it's probably not going to come to anything. I'm only a quarter away through the book, but I don't really see that leading to anything. Oh, um, yeah, so he keeps having these, these wild dreams. And then I think, doesn't it go into the scene where uh, where the uh, assassin comes out? Oh, no, that's a, that's a little bit. Yeah, um, the on? Reverend Mother, Paul just walks away. He's got to go watch TV or yeah. something. And um, the Reverend Mother tells uh-huh. Jessica that he needs to learn the voice, which is how oh, yes. when he gets the Gamjabar, the Reverend Mother actually is like, get over here. And he has to. Yeah. He like does it. It's like, yeah, it's so like mind control. I think the Jedi Reverend powers. Mother, I don't know if Paul earned her respect, I guess, from sticking in that box for so long but i think that the reverend mother now knows what he is and what he could become and is like get ready for this because it's kind of bad yeah i don't know if the benny jesuit are necessarily evil i know they're space witches but um yeah yeah oh i write that there's so much set up here i'm gonna edit that out (laughs) <laughs> it does. It, there is a lot of setup. I mean, and that's to be expected, especially with a novel of this size. But there's a lot of setup. But sure, yeah. Also, from what I, you know, I have some familiarity with the story, and like, I love the way they're doing it because it never feels forced. It doesn't feel like just boring exposition. It actually like they jump right in. They don't hand you a dictionary to understand all the terms. They just are like, we're going to tell the story. You're going to pick it up as we go along. I'll say one thing. Thank God there is a dictionary in the back of the book <laughs> or an appendix because it will like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This makes yeah. a little bit more sense here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it's interesting in that it doesn't give you, yeah, it doesn't really give you a lot of backstory. There's not a lot. There's not like an introduction where they give you a little blurb about what's, what's going on at that present time or where you are like it's implied that it's in like you know they can travel through space but is it uh does it take place whole solely in space or like what's going on so um it's really well written really really well written it's, and it was such a ballsy thing to do in 65 like that was not the way yeah well he couldn't he couldn't even get published he couldn't even get it published when he when he wow. first came out with it so yeah, no, it's wild. He had to get it published by a uh, car 
yeah, the 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 car uh, company, well, some some automotive magazine company printed it or something like that. So. Oh yeah, the part the parts parts catalog. catalog company. Yeah, that's what it was. And then it blew up. So yeah, that's astounding. Absolutely astounding. After that, Paul goes into another room. <laughs> a lot of rooms. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he learns a little bit about the Fremen and uh, desert life and still suits and all that. And Yes, the Fremen are the native population to the planet Dune, or Arrakis. Paul is very alone in this castle. There's no kids. It's like, even though the Atreides are loved, they can't be trusted around strangers, so... Paul basically has a whole bunch of old men as friends. So it's it's oh, this God. luscious young boy and oh, boy. And, and all these old, old men and one of his old buddies is named Gurney. Gurney. And Gurney uh, plays dirty songs for him on his little balisset, which is I think basically a weird little yeah. guitar. And then this is, it's like they keep introducing these people. It's its almost like a play where... I wonder if they can play Wonderwall on those uh, ballot sets. <laughs> I'd hope so. Yeah, that pick um, up chicks with that. You can pick up chicks with that. Supreme. He's like, here's a, here's a song from Old Earth. Yes, I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the point of having a ballot set if you're not going to use it to pick up Fremen chicks? <laughs> exactly. You gotta rock that shit. Yeah, I'm a do, do, do. Oh, we'll Yeah, so Gurney shows up, <laughs> plays a dirty song, gets up and leaves. And then a few seconds later, another guy comes in named Thufer Howitt. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they have they have a little fight. Last dude name. It's like he's he's basically training Paul to be a warrior. Some sparring. Yeah, I think his whole life is really waiting to get killed by somebody. <laughs> so he's he's very protected. So he's he's been trained by his mother to do the Benny Jesert stuff. He's got weapons masters to teach him how to fight. His father is teaching him, I guess, the political side. But they get into a big sword fight, and um, Paul is not really into it. He's just kind of playing it as a game, and, and Thufur just straight up attacks him to the point where Paul thinks he's going to get killed by this guy. He finally just, like, gives up and fights back, and he's proud of him, and he just asks Paul if, like, he's not in the mood for this. Yeah, you know, he knows there's something, he knows there's something going on with Paul's mind. Yeah, and there's a line in there where it's something like, mood is for cattle and love play, <laughs> which is <laughs> maybe my favorite, uh, favorite part of this. Yeah, Um <laughs> And then they talk about the father, and he's real down on um, the Duke. And he's basically saying that your father is weak. People are going to come after you, and you got to be strong. Yeah. And this is something. Can't let anybody get to your get get inside your shield, right? Like they have these shields that they use when they're um, fighting, and uh, it's almost like kind of like a I don't know, like almost like a sort of three-dimensional sort of block that you can put out in front of yourself? Well, guys, I think it's important to note, they say several times that those shields won't protect you on Arrakis. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, that's right. He does mention that to, to him. Yeah, the shields are set up for, I think it's basically assassination-type things because they say that nothing fast can go through the shields. 
So mm-hmm. if you're going to kill someone, it has to be that is slow. A good yeah, metaphor. like s- s- slowly getting slowly getting uh, stabbed, and um, they also vibrate. So this is kind of yeah. this is jumping ahead because of what was just said that. Um, oh shit! Sorry. When you get on no, when you get on Arrakis, the worms are attracted by motion and sound and oh, vibration. Yes, yes. So yes, imagine yes. being in the desert with these giant worms, and having a suit that does nothing the, but vibrate. It's going to attract the tremors. It's going to attract every single tremor within a hundred miles. Uh, yeah. Sorry to uh, skip skip ahead there, but um, yeah, but yeah no, I'm done. Uh, I'm done. Yeah, I can't believe the, you did it's that. The, it's the side. I'm out of here. Oh, you're checking out. out? You're checking out. <laughs> This is oh, this God. is where I'll I'll put the door slam sound. <laughs> no, come back, come back. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Besides the fighting, uh, Thufir <laughs> is the Atreides mentor. Yes, just he's a nicer the version of for that. the House Atreides. Yeah, and he he's just down on the Duke, saying his father's probably gonna die. Doesn't look too well for this. And there's foreshadowing, and then there's everybody talking about the Duke sucking and it's probably gonna die to the point where it's just like yeah, it gets a it gets yeah. a little a little. A little odd there, but of course it's, we are getting into some deep waters now. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody would be surprised at this point in the story if someone in House Atreides betrayed and the Duke died. I feel like they've really pounded both of those points home. Yes, yes, yeah, for sure. At one point, the guy's like, I should just go to the Harkonnens. This place sucks. <laughs> yeah, like openly admitting to like wanting to betray the family. Thufir tells Paul that Arrakis is a dangerous planet. There's 700 mile an hour sand, like winds that can, what would you call that? I yeah, call it a, like a just Darude 700 sandstorm. mile nice. an hour winds. You like that? You like that reference? Um, that could just <laughs> rip the skin off your bones. Yes, yes. Uh, tells him more about the Duke sucking, how he's going to lose planets, <laughs> and basically tells Paul that a desert is hot. <laughs> it's good to yeah, know. That is good it's to like, know. It's like this kid's supposed to be a genius, but he has to learn that the desert is hot. Can we can we talk about that for a second though? Because the solution to the desert being hot is to wear a suit where you drink your own pee. Yeah, and and poop too. Oh, you drink everything. Yeah, it's got poop processors in it. Have they? That's set, good. No, we don't. We haven't gotten to the still suit part yet, have we? Jesus, we got ways to go. <laughs> I think he says that you're going to be you're going to end up wearing them, but the still suits are there to recycle any moisture. Yeah, I get what that means. Oh yeah, it's the poop. Yeah, poop and pee and pee. yeah, and and you you have little pumps in your heels, so when you walk, it filters your poop. Oh god! Like, so it like make yeah. it like makes sloshing sounds every time you step. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, please like, someone do that oh, oh no oh, oh man well, that's why you want to stay still in the suit I don't have a lot of problems with this book but and I know that Frank Herbert has to tell the audience about this but because they don't know but Arrakis is the most important planet in the universe so you would think a Duke son would know a little bit more yeah, but he's, Does that he's make too sense? busy learning to be a space witch as well as a human calculator. He doesn't have time for actual <laughs> practical yeah. facts. Yeah, and, 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 a, and a warrior. Yeah. That's right, yeah, no. And he's, a sword he's got master. A lot going on. Plus being luscious. I mean, it takes a lot of energy to be that luscious all the time. 
<laughs> He's got to pinch his cheeks every morning to get that rosy glow. Um, Jesus. Thufer tells, uh, tells Paul about the Fremen, the yeah. people that live on Arrakis, who also hate the Harkonnens because of what they did to their planet. And that there's a lot more of the Hark- or a lot more of the Fremen that you think there are, which is mm. useful later. You also learn about Duncan Idaho, and Duncan Idaho is probably the most important character in the Dune I series. I haven't, I haven't, seen, donut shop I haven't seen any of this no. yet. I I just know that his name is awesome, and uh, I believe he's he's played by Sir Patrick Stewart in the movie. Oh, yeah. No, you are wrong. Sir. Oh no no no! That's right! That's right! That's right! You're right! You're right! It's the uh, Twin yes, Peaks guy, yes. yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Stewart plays Gurney. I don't know who plays Duncan Idaho in the 80s movie, but I know that uh, Jason Momoa is playing him in the movie. That's cool. One, which makes me happy. Uh, so Duncan Idaho is sent... Wait, your boy Aqua Boy? Aqua Boy. Aquaman, sir. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm sorry? Your boy, Aqua... your boy Aquaman, sir? Yes, sir. you your boy Aquamancer. <laughs> Aquamancer. That's a good An Aquamancer is a... They can control dead water, I believe. <laughs> Their weapon is dead fish. They're an Aquamancer. Yes. Oh, hell yes. This is a good idea. Uh, yeah. I'm going to write down Aquamancer here. Uh, so, uh, Duncan Idaho is sent ahead of the Atreides going to Arrakis to basically make friends with the Fremen. That's right. Scope out the scope out the planet, make friends. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> let's see, Gurney uh, Gurney Halleck is described as an ugly lump of a man. <laughs> that's not nice. No, that's actually exactly what I wrote was not nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna not polite. Not polite. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, ugly lump of a man. I'm back, guys. Hooray! Sorry, my my puppy dog was not happy that I'd been locked away in a room without him. Oh, no. He's all right. Hi, Gunther. Okay, so where were we? So Luke needed to go to Tashi Station to pick up more power converters. (laughs) This is where I have to say I I mixed up two characters, and I am very sorry. Oh, shit. We got some some errors that we got to... Yeah, this was was all on on me, buddy. I'm very sorry. Who'd you mix up? Oh, shit. It happens. I it's mixed okay. up uh, two people. I mixed up uh, Thufer and Gurney. Uh, and it's fine. what I did here, and I'm just saying this so I don't have to edit anything I don't want to. Um, yeah, that, yeah. No disclaimer. Yeah, no disclaimer. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Thufer <laughs> is the Mentat. Gurney is the weapons master, and Gurney was the one training Paul. Right. Okay. So the only thing you messed up was who was training him at that moment. Yeah. You so, did say that Thuther was the yeah. uh, was the mentat. Yeah. So Duncan, I think Duncan and Gurney are basically like the warriors of the Atreides house. Yes. So the fight that they have in the shield, the shields are Gurney and Paul. This is where I said everyone keeps leaving the room. Thufur basically gives yeah, him a little yeah. information on, on Arrakis and then leaves. Then Gurney comes in. And then Gurney leaves. And up next is Yui, who comes in. And when Yui walks through the door, everyone applauds. <laughs> Just like any sitcom where someone gets a little bit too popular. <laughs> uh, and 
This was a little bit confusing because I tried so hard to understand how this worked, but Yui gives Paul something called the Orange Catholic Bible. And the Orange Catholic Bible in the series is after the Butler and Jihad, they kind of combined all the religions that were from Earth and made it into a new one. So Yui gives Paul a little book the size of his thumb that has pages that pop out or something. I could not, I read it 10 times and I couldn't understand how it works. But Yui... Tiny, tiny, tiny little yeah, book. Yeah, tiny little book that has a magnifier and something and it's like, it does not matter how many times I tried. It's like, this makes no sense how this works. And I just said, okay, he has a magic book. <laughs> yeah, future book. Yeah, few... magic. Well, past book it sounds like because uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it's um, that's fascinating the combination of all the religions and the yeah, it was hmm, it was basically when life was not just Earth. It was the universe. Yeah, yeah. So God was he God didn't just create the Earth and you know the stars are angels looking at you or something. It was. This is how amazing the universe oh. is. We're going to have to switch our religions up a little bit. And Yui... Yeah, make them a little bit more broad. Yeah, and Yui <laughs> kind of said... Because there's a lot of points in the book where it just switches to the character's point of view. Yui says, like, yeah. you know, I'm going to destroy this kid and his whole family. At least I can give him this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, it's a little token of, uh, token of esteem, I suppose, um, yeah. So we go to Leto, or Leto, and he knows it's a trap, too. He knows that he's getting set up. Even he's, even... He knows the heart. Heart Yeah, and even Leto knows that it's a trap and he sucks. He's kind of, he just, he just, he's, I think there's even a point in the book where he straight up says, like, I'm done. I'm tired of this. Yeah, he's definitely got some, uh, he's got some, some, some heavy stuff on his mind, maybe some Maybe some strange PTSD. Uh, you know, they've been fighting, you know, fighting for a long time, and he's been ruling the house for a long time, so he's mm. pretty tired. He's he um, tired. he knows it's a trap, but he argues that because they know it's a trap, they're ahead of the game. And uh, the old switch tries yeah. Yeah, the old switcheroo. It's yeah. like, we know what's going to happen. Hubris uh, always works out well for everybody involved. Hubris alert. Um, hubris alert. But because they already know what's going to happen, they figure, you know, we can we can beat this. And if it all works out, the Atreides are going to be much more powerful. They're going to get rich. Yeah. They, yeah. Take the hard codes. Um, and they, Leto also knows that how powerful the Fremen could be. Yeah, he mentions that. Yeah. And it's yes, like, does, if yeah. we, if we're the nice guys and we go into this place that has been run down and we could use these people to, I don't know if Leto wants to be emperor. I don't know if he just wants more power, if he wants his, to like leave the house and more powerful is for his son. I should say that again. He like yeah. That's what it. That's oh, what see, it sounds I like. Yeah. He was more thinking the Harkonnens are coming after us, but they don't understand if we get the Fremen, we're gonna run over those guys. 
Yeah, and he even mentions that he thinks that the Harkonnens are going to use the Emperor's soldiers. And the Emperor has these soldiers called the Sardukar, and they are the most powerful fighting force in the galaxy. And they're all trained on a prison planet, and they're killers, and they're warriors, and they will have to end up fighting them. But if they have the Fremen, who are far more powerful in numbers and pretty much badasses. Yeah, the Sardukar. Sardukar, they're a bunch of bad motor scooters, man. They're... uh... Really, yeah, there's really a tough. planet, it's called Salsa Secundus, and it is a, a ruined planet. And Love the, it. Love the name. If you think of a planet that you could die just by living on it, and these people live on it, they're going to be stronger, they're going to be tougher, they're going to just be complete badasses. So this is a terrifying army. But then when you think of the Fremen who live in the most dangerous planet have to deal with the heat the sun the water the worms everything who's going to be more powerful and it's going to be the fremen yeah no they're basically goku training under the high gravity yes yeah yeah and in such a harsh like like jeffy said in such a harsh environment it's like you're gonna you gotta be tough as nails man the wildlings the fremen are the wildlings (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) is this a game of thrones reference no, it's a reference to a song of ice and fire, sir. Oh, well, frankly, I, I think that that series went down after season five. Oh, is that is I that the general care. consensus now? <laughs> oh, the internet, love it. Hey, we wouldn't be friends if it wasn't for the internets. Oh no, for sure. I was not being sarcastic. I love the internet. <laughs> I just don't like the people on it. Oh no, what are you talking about? There's great people on there. We got our bug fam and our slurp fam. We got all everybody mm-hmm. we need. Yeah. So both in the movie and the miniseries, them going to Arrakis was kind of a big deal. Showed the ships, showed how it works, showed the navigator. There's nothing. It just cuts to them on Arrakis. I thought there was yeah. one brief scene where they were on their way. I thought that it was like him talking to his dad. They were on their way, but... Nonetheless, your point is well made. They're, they really, he skips right over the space travel parts. Yeah, it's like, um, I'm, I'm apologizing to bring this up, but the prequel books go so in-depth to that. Interesting. To, like, space battles, to traveling oh, to the really? ships. And Frank Herbert is just like, nope, we're here now. He's, he's not into the... Um... He's not into the how they travel as much. Hmm. Well, yeah, this interesting. Is, I mean, to be fair, I'd much rather get to the set pieces. He's writing this epic, you know, this this, this it, it, it's it's it, it is an epic story that he's telling, and we don't need to know what it was like when Tyrion rode an elephant for fourteen days and what every meal was that he ate, which by the way, sure, is a real yeah. seventy page chapter in one of the, the Song of Ice and Fire books. That, that is <laughs> wow, a man that great. likes to write. He loves yeah. the stupid details. This is like a yeah. refreshing opposite version of that where it's just like, no, let's just keep to the important parts because this is a dense tome. And I was afraid yeah. it was gonna be unpalatable and it was going to be boring and there was going to be details about things that I just don't give a shit about. 
But instead, but it's clipping right it along. Really yeah, clips. I'm really surprised by it. But that being said, you guys know more about spice and what the hell it does and how space travel works in these books. I don't know anything about that. That's another thing that we have to talk about. Uh, I don't know if we want to talk about it on the next episode or should we do it now or the spice? Hey, I got. I, I don't even know anything about spice other than <laughs> it's somehow related to the worms. I uh, think that yeah. that is something we'll cover on the next one. Okay. All because. Right. Where we're basically going to end on here is where they're introduced to the world. We're going to end. We're going to end. Oh, okay. So yeah. we still got a little bit more yeah, to go. They, there, met, yeah. we, we, they met that one worm. They introduced themselves. It was nice. <laughs> How are you? How are you? So they're they're on Arrakis. Yes. They're on they're unpacking. Now this is <laughs> this is a very exciting scene where they're only unpacking two things. They're unpacking a portrait of Leto's father. And they're unpacking a bullhead. <laughs> <laughs> and you're introduced to uh, Shout Out Mapes. Shadow Mapes? No, I think it's Shout Out. Mm. I like Shout yeah. Out. Shout Out Mapes. Shout yeah. Out. Shout and Out. She, so rude she says, her. Where do you want to hang this? I don't know. Use your best judgment. Uh, <laughs> the bullhead, the. Uh, I'll just call her Mapes. Mapes, yeah. She uh, she says that the the horns are dirty, and Jessica's like, no, that's blood. Because this is the bull that killed Leto's father. Hang this directly across from the painting. Symbolism. So please explain that, because I tried figuring it out. All I could think of is anytime Leto walks into a room, he sees a portrait of his father and directly across from it is the bull that killed his father because for some reason there's still bullfighting in the year 10,000 something. Well, it's a reminder not to, maybe not to, uh, not to fuck with the bull. It's almost like, don't let your own arrogance get in the way. Sure. Yeah. Some kind of hubris. Again, with the symbolism. Some kind of hubris going. Yeah. uh, we got you got hubris alert. Another hubris alert. Ring the alarm. Oh God, the, his father's blood's on it too. That is so gross. Well, it's 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 obviously dried and, and it's it's not like dripping. Look, anything, <laughs> that would like, that would be cool. Look, I'm a lawyer. Yeah, it like continues to drink. I'm a lawyer. Oh, okay. I will tell oh, you shit. that is legally gross. Legally yes. gross. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's all dried up. It, you can't see it anymore or anything. It's not like. Look, dude, the law's I, the law. Can't help you. I I think that someone decided. I'll see you not in court, man. <laughs> uh, I like he he played the lawyer card, and I actually imagined him pulling out a gavel, which makes no sense. <laughs> uh, I think the best judges are lawyers, aren't they? <laughs> so uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit confused on this part because I think Mapes was actually the housekeeper for the Harkonnens too. Oh boy, yeah, she had to deal with those monsters. Yeah, and uh, somebody actually says in the book, like, these people hated them. Oh yeah. They're, they're not going to oh, yeah. be our enemy. Well, yeah. A little bit see, presumptuous. This, this, this whole scene was really interesting, though, because on the one hand, and I'm, I'm the noob here, so I don't know, but Mapes seems incredibly not trustworthy. Mapes seems like she's going to turn on them. But then on the flip side... She gives Jessica that Chris knife, and yes, she does. This is where we start hearing that all the Fremen who are working in the castle 
are all referring to Paul as like basically space Jesus. Yep. Nah, he's already get, he's already having an effect on the populace. They called it the Mahdib. Mahdib. Not that's Maybe. different. Oh yeah. Yeah, it means two different things. Mahdib means like desert mouse. Right. Jumping ahead, but yeah, the Mahdi is basically um so yeah, space Jesus. Prophet. And Prophet. they said that this is the same story that's happened on every other planet. It's just the same Messiah story. But they, but they believe Paul's gonna be the dude. Yes, and there's a reason for it, and this is where my little notes come in. All right. Ah, uh, ah. The Fremen and Mapes know all about the Bene Gesserit, and the Bene Gesserit went on Arrakis thousands of years ago. I don't really know how long people have been on there, but there's no other sentient like. There's no aliens. It's all humans. So every planet is people from Earth who have spread out over thousands and thousands of years. But because they've been isolated, because they're just their own like civilization, everyone's pretty much different. But the Bene Gesserit have a thing called the Missionaria Protectiva. And Whoa, that sounds like a Harry Potter spell. It is. <laughs> Missionaria Protectica. Uh, and what that uh, basically was is... Spell, man. Oh, shit. The Bene Gesserit basically went to these planets and built up their own stories and mythology. And there's uh, okay. a very good chance that they set up this story. Planting seeds, yes. planting seeds for the future. They can see the future, yeah. and also they control where all the seed is planted. Talking about that, yeah, that baby yeah. Bear. So this, this, oh, oh yeah, Jesus Christ, the sex. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna make a reckless wedding. <laughs> oh, no. uh, oh yeah, but like, oh yeah, no, that's a space Jesus gonna do. We went there. Uh, so Mawa, Mawa, yeah, oh, God. Mapes gives her this knife and Jessica thinks that she's going to kill her. And I don't know exactly why she did it. I don't know if it was to protect her, to show that she's trusted. It's a gift. It's a nice sort of welcome to the planet. Here's a knife. No, it, seemed, it seemed like, it seemed like Jessica convinced her that she was important, that she really was one of the Benny Jesuit and, but also yeah, it yeah. seemed to have like a, if you take this knife you can't ever bring it off the planet and you can't leave the planet. Yeah, it mm. I think it fall they said it falls apart. It will it will disintegrate. The magic knife. Um but then she's like after she takes it out, she's like, you can't put it back unless it's drawn blood. That's right. And Ooh. Jessica stabs Mapes. I don't think it's anything hard, but I think she just kind of pokes her. And she's waiting for it to kill her like it would be poison. Instead, she stabs Mapes and her wound heals like right away. Yeah, that's some space magic. magic. It was either space magic or they said that it could have been like an evolutionary thing. Like these people have lived on a planet so long where moisture is so important that their blood would clot faster. So they wouldn't lose it. Yeah. Shit. Wild. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, my next note just says Paul is lazy and takes a nap. That's true. Uh, and then, like, an assassin bot comes out of his toilet or something. Oh, that's right. The assassin bot part, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jessica talks to Yui. Uh, she knows something's going on with him. That's where you find out the Harkonnens took his wife. Uh, but while Paul is, is just, he's like, I'm so tired. Uh, yeah, he finds a assassination device called a Hunter Seeker. Yeah, this thing's badass. Yeah, and it's controlled by somebody in the, um, in the house. It's like, because there's no thinking machines or nothing like that, it has to be controlled by somebody. And he notices it's it. almost like a tiny little, like, spinning blade sort of. Oh, okay. You went Phantasm. Yeah, it's, so it's I went, uh, I went uh, ah. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, where the guy can whistle and his, like, arrow flies around. Oh, the thinking. fucking arrow guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's cool, too. Yeah, so he's like, um, yeah, so he, he sees it and he realizes what it is and he's perfectly still. Because it's not like it's not controlled by movement because someone is controlling this, but he's like, if I stand perfectly still, they can't see yeah, me. Yeah, like a T Rex. And then, yeah, it's just Jurassic Park. <laughs> Stephen. Jurassic Park rips this, ripped <laughs> yeah. it off, man. <laughs> Fucking yeah, Spielberg, man. He can't keep his so hands far, off Lucas, stuff. Mm-hmm. Spielberg. Yep. Who else? Uh, yep. uh, James Gunn. Um, yeah, James Gunn. James Gunn. Yeah, Hunter Seeker arrow. Uh, yeah, Mapes comes in with to collect like Paul's dirty socks, and the Hunter Seeker just goes after her, and he uses his super fast reflexes to grab it and just like smash it in the ground. Because he's because he's like this perfect being. He's a perfect <laughs> luscious boy. <laughs> yes, yes, and he caught that thing and he just smashed it on the ground. Uh, so Mapes. This is just out of nowhere. Talks about, like, she doesn't even seem to be bothered. So I don't know if that's a clue that she didn't really know what was going on. And just out of nowhere, she Uh, says, like, I was walking past the weirding room. mm. And that's it. That's all she says. Uh, Meanwhile, Jessica finds a oval door with a secret, like, handprint on it. And she puts her hand in there and it opens up and it is a greenhouse, basically. And it was built by whoever was in between the Harkonnens and the Atreides. So it's like the Harkonnens got kicked off of Arrakis and there was like a little intern. I'm not saying that right. Interim? Interim? Interim Interim, family. And they, they built Jessica this greenhouse. The problem is this is Arrakis where water is the most important thing in the world. And there's enough water in here to feed like half of the planet so this is worth more than gold this is like the richest of the rich and she doesn't quite know how to feel about that but inside she finds a little secret note left by um a woman in that family that's a benny jesuit saying someone's gonna try to kill your kid so it's like oops that was about five minutes too late yeah 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 Got the note too late. Oh, and then all of a sudden Paul shows up. Shows his mom yeah, the little right, hunter yeah. seeker and she's like, throw it in the water. And so they do. And it fizzles and it dies. So the they lock down the, the house and they find the man who was controlling it inside of a wall. 
So the Harkonnens had this guy living inside of a brick wall for at least yeah. two months. Must have smelled bad in there. <laughs> nah, he had a still suit. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, also, weren't the uh, weren't the, the weren't there hunter seekers in uh, Matrix as well? Weren't the, weren't there hunter seekers in the Matrix? Isn't the that what those robots that would find the them in the tunnel? I, 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 I don't that? remember what they were actually. The squid- the, uh, I can't remember. I think it, the but, technical yeah. term was yes, squidoos, squidoos, squidoos. And also in, uh, in Terminator, the aerial uh, when you when you're seeing the future scenes. Oh yeah, things, I think they might be called hunter killers but still same thing same hunter thing. killers uh they, yep. they still ripped it off james god damn james, yep, james cameron too. Ripping off add him to the add him to the list of offenders <laughs> which which grows every episode like we've got so many people on there most of them have cease and desists against us but um oh i will be issuing a whole series of cease and desists <laughs> oh i see so we have to hit them back with cease and desists absolutely if they do it to us then we have to do it to them it's like a flame war they're infringing on our podcast, so I'm really yes. I'm going after them. Excellent, dear, thank you, sir. Dear Mister Lucas, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You write the lawyers. You write. You got to do lawyer to lawyer. Look, between you and me, lawyers suck. I don't want to talk to lawyers. <laughs> no, no. So wait, you don't want to have? You don't want to start a podcast produced by us called Lawyer to Lawyer? We've got an uncle to uncle podcast. Why can't we have a lawyer to lawyer? We we have you talk with a different lawyer each week about some kind of uh, topic. That'd be fun. Boredom. That would be fun. He only talks about people who have stole ideas from Dune. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of lawyers out there, though. Some of them have to have good senses of humor. Nah, I'm the only one with a good sense of humor. You're the only one. I'm the only one. God damn it, 300 yep. million people, 300 million people in the States, and you're the only lawyer with a sense of humor. I find this claim dubious, sir. Well, I ask you to cease and desist, and oh, you're shit. finding it dubious. Oh, shit. I got, I got seen. Right, need. back to Dune. Right, yes. let's do it up. Uh, let's, let's do this. Okay. Do it. Oh, my God, why didn't we name the show that? <laughs> let's do this let's do t-shirt let's do, t-shirt yes. we're making a t-shirt all right hold yeah. on i gotta write this down yeah let's, we gotta get skeleton blood on this let's do yeah this. yeah that could be on the back of the shirt on the front you have the dune boys make me horny and on the back let's do this let's yep let's do fuck this. yeah <laughs> perfect um, that's inception right there that's the creation of a, a new product a new a TM, new TM, uh, TM, TM, TM. Oh, shit. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> oh, I have a small note here that says that Duke Leto says Benny Jesuit like a swear word. Mm. So his his basic Jesus Christ is uh, Benny Jesuit. He does do that. He does not trust them. Mm-mm. Well, he, he, yeah, it's um, he's a, he's a tired, paranoid guy. He's, he's yeah, that's the thing. He's paranoid. And, and he never made an honest woman of Jessica. That's true. So you got to think about that too. It's uh, lover scorned, basically. Um, I could think, get uh, could get nasty. I think that they explain why he didn't get married to her because he's she's just a concubine. Yeah, it would be improper. It's it's not it's not looked upon favorably in the empire. Yeah, to, but uh, he momentarily marrying, regrets it. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He, he does. Yeah, he he's. He's regretting it quite but a bit. He thinks more about like the future of the house and Paul and and all that and making the. It seems like he's he's loved, but the Atreides 
is not one of the most powerful houses. Yeah. It's powerful than some, but it's like he wants a better life for his son, I guess. And um, So they find out the guy, they find him, but they kill him. Right. So they're trying to trying to do that. Something happens. I think he just says like there was a mistake, which means someone got shot in the head. Oh, the um, guards fucked up. So Jessica goes on a little walk, and it's nighttime, and she sees a what she thinks is a star, and then she realizes it's a signal. They don't say where it's coming from, but it's out in the mountains. And uh, the description in the book is blink squirt. Blink squirt. Okay, I missed blink that. Squirt. I missed that for sure. Yeah, a lot of blink, blink squirt, blink, blink, blink squirt. Uh, I tried to figure this one out too. I even took a picture so everyone believed me. But somewhere, oh, yes, I saw that on the Twitter's. Yeah, somewhere off in the it's it's called a shield wall, and it's because of the winds, because of the danger. I don't picture it like the Game of Thrones wall, but big enough wall that it can block. You know, the sand from just destroying the cities and and all that. But somewhere... Uh, ties back into his uh, terraforming, the, uh, the the Herbert terraform, terraforming thing that we talked about in the last episode. Yep, we got to block that sand. We have to block the sand, we have to protect the cities. Um, yeah, and what I learned from Assassin's Creed Origins is that the desert just swallows everything. Oh, it does, yeah, yeah. Okay, so and the mummy, the movie, the mummy. That, that there's a lot of sand in that too. Are we gonna go after that, the like, guy that made the mummy? Well, yeah, but dear Brendan Fraser. Yeah, seriously, yeah. take that, Brendan Fraser. Cease and desist, motherfucker. Um, okay, so the Duke is talking to Gurney, and he wants the workers to say the spice workers, even the people that work for the Harkonnens, because they got to get the spice production going. They got to. You know, they got to get to work. So they're talking, and then all of a sudden, Thufer walks in and basically says that he was there to protect Paul. He was in charge of protecting the family, and he failed, so he's going to quit. And Paul argues, saying that the only reason that Paul survived is because what Thufer taught him. And the Duke basically says, shut up and sit down, bitch, you're still working for us um, you can't you can't retire no. uh let's see um Thufer tells the duke that duncan has been hanging out with all the fremen and mm-hmm. that they're totally cool and they live in these caves called sieges and they're all over arrakis there's tons of them and they're thinking in the millions and they're hidden and they live in caves and they don't show themselves, but there are so many of these, and they're powerful, and this is basically what the Duke wanted to hear. And they all worship a man named Liet. So he's a mystery. Mm, um, and the Duke, he knows what he's going into with everyone hating the Harkonnens, and he even brings up that he knows there's people smuggling spice. Not just the Harkonnens who were there before, but people coming from all over basically to steal spice and, you know, outside of the the governments, all that. They're just, you know, smugglers. And he says that we're not going to arrest these people either. We're going to make peace with these people too. And 
because the smugglers have to pay all this money for guards, for armies, basically. Leto says, tell him it's fine. We're not going to stop you, but give us a cut, too. So Leto is really trying to make peace with everybody. Make friends. He's the new guy in town, so he wants to, uh, you know, yeah, shake hands with the masses and uh, make friends. Yeah, he's he's got some good ideas. I feel like this is going to be an interesting next three quarters of the book in which it's just about all the good friends he's making along the way. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a fun romp through Dune. Yay! Uh, you find out that the Harkonnens trashed the place. They broke all the spice harvesters, all the machines. They're running on empty. Not and... good landlords. No, but I think it was probably intentional. Oh, oh yeah, sure. they're yeah, assholes. They, they left behind yeah. only the broken machines. They definitely were, like, pissing yeah. all over the ashes when they left. Yeah, yeah, we're out of here, so you guys, it's your problem now. Okay, so Duncan shows up, and he says they're kicking ass. They're finding Harkonnens, like, hiding. They're clearing out the bad guys. And they introduce a man named Stilgar, who is seemingly the leader of the Fremen. And the Duke is like, we're not your enemy. We're going to work with you, but you should know we're probably going to get attacked. We'd like your help. We're nothing like the Harkonnens. And then Stilgar just spits on the table. All of Leto's people are like, you just insulted our king. Luckily, Duncan is like, hey man, think about where you're at. Where water is the most important thing in the world. And he just showed you respect by sharing his water with oh, you. Oh boy, these guys are spitting yeah, all so over they, each other. So they just start spitting. Yeah, they yeah, start that, spitting on each other. That tracks. <laughs> Duncan tells them what they found and what they found was the Harkonnens were doing a raid where they were trying to steal one of the knives, the Chris knives. And you find out that they are sharpened sandworm teeth and they kind of, they kind of bond with the owner. It seems. Oh, magic knives. Yeah. Space knives. Like a light lightsaber kind of deal or something. Ooh. I think anyone can use a lightsaber. Even girls now. True. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Oh, hot take yeah. there. Um, so the whole reason why the Harkonnens are trying to steal the knife is because it's only a Fremen thing. Which makes it very important that Mapes gave Jessica the knife. But if you have one of these knives and you have blue eyes... You can get into any one of the Fremen steeches. So, who's a bad guy with blue eyes? I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, Sting. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> okay, someone didn't read the book. Yes, you are correct. We've only seen him in the one scene. What's his name? David? Yeah, Peter. Peter, Peter is the Harkonnen Mentat who has blue eyes. So, yeah, they yeah. are trying to steal a Chris knife. So they can send this nutball into the Steeches and do whatever the hell he wants. Either as a spy or just to kill everybody. Yep, it's all part of the plan. <laughs> okay, from here we learn that the Emperor has a man named Liet Kynes. And he is the planetary... This is where I'm going to mess this word up. Ecologist? I can't say this word. A, a planetary ecologist. 
ecologist. Yes, thank you. Planetary ecologist. Planetary ecologist. And his job was to scout out Arrakis, see what's going on, the life, the fauna, how the spice works and everything like that. And before they started doing the spice operations, they set stations up to monitor things and all that. So the Duke is saying, we have all this unlimited equipment, everything. If we can find out where this is at, we can fix up the spice harvesters and and all this good stuff. One more thing is found, and it's a note. And the note was supposed to be smuggled in, and if the note was uncovered, it would destroy itself, like a Mission Impossible type thing. Uh, yes. Yes, yes. And the note has a like the Baron's mark on it, and it says that someone close to the Duke is going to kill him. And if it doesn't work, the Duke is going to be destroyed anyway. So that's the second part of the, the Duke's plan to, you know, take out the Duke. And this makes everybody yeah. very nervous. Uh, Leto takes Paul aside, and this is where Paul learns that his father is human. And Leto just says that he's tired. He's tired of all of this. The They should not. Like, he gave, I think... Even though Leto says he kind of knows what's going on, this is just kind of like, it was too much. And he's like, I'm tired of this. Why did we do this? I could have took my family and just ran away past the Emperor. But they're stuck here, and there's a really good chance that um, everyone's going to die. And (laughs) Optimistic dad. Yes, seriously. And uh, Paul is like, what are you talking about? Everybody loves you. And Leto goes, they love me because I have people to go out and tell everyone to love Yeah, me. he starts to talk about the propaganda machine that he has going. Yeah, and it's he, like, oh, he yeah, called boy. it his propaganda Right, core. right. And it was just like, this kid, <laughs> he's getting a lot put on him. He's like, hey, guess what, kid? You might be a space Jesus. Or you, you might die um, in the next couple of days. Yeah, somebody yeah. just tried to this kill you. Not, not going great. <laughs> so the Duke is tired, and the Duke, I think the Duke realizes now that it's not going to work out. And it happened quick. Like, in two pages, the Duke is like, we can do this, we're ahead of this, to everything is falling apart. They tried to kill my son. Yeah, he's to yeah. just like ugh. pretty crestfallen. He's going through all these different emotions. Yeah, and I think because the Duke knows his time is coming to an end, he shows Paul, like, the flag of the Atreides house mm-hmm. and says that this is a tough world, kid, and you're, you might have to not be a good guy to survive because it did not work for me. And I'll end it with this... Um, Leto tells Paul that you should probably go with this whole Jesus thing. <laughs> Saying, you should embrace this because this is going to give you so much power. Yeah. And you're probably going to need it. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's a, it's a it's kind of a tender, it's like a tender talk between the two of them. It's uh, It kind of ends on, a, of course, a bittersweet note because, uh, yeah, his father is predicting nothing but doom and gloom. So... Yeah. Yeah, not exactly not exactly heartfelt. 
father son no, moments between no. the two of them. It's all it's all business. Leto's just laying out yeah. all sorts of business. What I would have He's done getting differently. Nostalgic and memories are coming back and yeah so it's like he's, sun, he's like sundowning basically <laughs> I, I mean it it is a spectacular setup for whatever comes next sure yeah no it's it, yeah it's really good and that's where we're going to end part one. Oh, that's it and next time on dune boys sandworms wow There's not a dry eye in the house. I know we're on a desert planet and have to conserve our water, but I can't help it. Beautiful job, Sleeves. Never in my life have I seen anyone sing both parts of Total Eclipse of the Heart. It's going to be a damn shame when his voice changes. Well, we got time for one more if anyone wants to even try and top that. I see a dumb and brave soul sticking their hand up. Good luck.